Masechet Sotah, Daf Kaf Gimel. With this stuff, we complete the third perek of the Masechet. Mishnah teaches Rabbi Shimon Omer En Zichut Tola Bemaim Hamarim. In the previous Mishnah, we saw the opinion that says if a woman has merit, then it will delay the punishment for up to three years. However, Rabbi Shimon disagrees and says no. There's no such concept. If she's guilty, she will feel the full effect immediately. The reasoning of Rabbi Shimon is that if you say that the effects of the uh, bitter waters can, um, can delay the punishment, then you're going to weaken the effect the uh, the fear factor of the waters uh, before uh, all women who drink right the, the the most important part of the of the of the bitter water is that is that it's scary and then hopefully if she, if the woman's guilty she will admit <clears throat> but if you say that merit delays then people won't be so scared because everybody has some merit so all right a woman even if she's guilty will say oh you know what I helped three poor people yesterday. Um, I did a lot of, I had a lot of good deeds, and so therefore, uh, you know what, I'll drink and it'll be okay, it'll be, get delayed, and so they won't worry about it too much. So that's not a, that's not a good thing, uh, that's not a good effect. And furthermore, it will also cast a shadow on the woman, women who were innocent and drank. Because um, once they, if they if they drink and they're innocent and no, nothing happens, then no longer will people assume, oh, they were innocent. That's why nothing happens. People will say, uh, you know what? She's probably really guilty, but the, she has merit. So that's why it'll take some time. But you'll see. Come back in a year or two, and you're going to see that she's going to blow up. So that no one, a woman who's innocent, cannot prove her innocence anymore, and people will continue to say negative rumors about her. So this is a bad idea, Rabbi Shimon says, to um, believe that merit will delay the punishment. No, if she's guilty, it will happen. The punishment will happen immediately. Now, that will make it scarier, and that will give a definitive proof to, for those who are innocent that they are innocent. Rabbi says that merit does delay, and he takes care of both of these problems by explaining that if a woman is guilty but has merit, so um, so it's true, she will not die right away, but she will not be able to give birth and she won't be she won't feel well she won't do better but rather the opposite she will progressively deteriorate until in the end she dies the same death as a, as a sota but you'll be able to see the effects immediately right um some effects immediately they'll be slight and then grow um so that that way first of all it will be scary because uh, already you know from day 1 you're going to start uh, deteriorating so that's not good that's not good that's scary and furthermore if nothing happens and she looks well and is healthy and uh, and it gets pregnant, then that will pro prove immediately that she's innocent. So there's no problem of the Mosi Shem Ra. And so that's why that way to be can answer the Bishimon's questions and still uphold the principle that merit can delay.
נטמאת מנחתה עד שלא קדשה בכלי, הרי היא ככל המנחות ותיפדה. Now, if a, a woman סוטה offering becomes תמן, this would be true in general for קורבן מנחה, that becomes תמה before it goes into a holy vessel. So the person just brought this flower from their home and it became תמה, so then that only has, uh, since it had a verbal designation, I'm going to use this flower for my קורבן מנחה, so it has, it's consecrated monetarily, but it's not consecrated בגופו. Therefore, you can just redeem it, and take the monetary value and go use that to buy new flour and so that's that's an easy uh, solution. However, if this flower was put into a holy vessel, then it gets Kiddushat Haguf, which can't simply be redeemed by money. It has intrinsic holiness. If it becomes Tameh, now it cannot be used on the altar. Instead, it has to all be burnt on one of the uh, uh, fires uh, that's uh, um, on on the on the harabayit, uh, but not on the altar. It has to be destroyed. Now, in addition to cases of tumah where the flower itself becomes tameh, there is here is other cases where we have to burn the mincha offering, uh, but cannot offer cannot offer it in the normal way. The normal way to offer it is to take a kometz put that on the Mizbeach, and the rest of it the Kohanim eat. But the following will be exceptions in which you cannot do that. If either the woman admitted her guilt, or witnesses came and said, we saw that she was guilty, she sinned with that uh, adulterer, in that case, there's no need for her to drink uh, anymore, to continue with the Sota ceremony, because we know she's guilty. And so therefore, that we're stopping short, but the mincha flower already became sanctified. We can't use it, and therefore it's burnt on one of the fires. If a woman says, I refuse to drink, and we're assuming this would be before they erased Hashem's name. If it was after they erased Hashem's name, then they would force her to drink. If it was before, then uh, we don't force her to drink. So they, again, the mincha offering stops short. Or if the husband says, I don't want my wife to drink. I don't want, I don't want to see her, even, if, even though I'm angry and I called her sota, I don't want her to have to drink and blow up. It's bad. So if he doesn't want her to drink, she doesn't drink, but they already brought the, the flour um, and put it in a holy vessel, so now it has to be burnt. Furthermore, if, um, uh, if the husband was with her on the way, and in that case where we saw the sota, or it can only go ahead with the sota if the husband is completely innocent. But if he sinned, and one way of his sinning is by being with her on the way, after a husband accuses his wife of being a sota, he's no longer allowed to be with her. In that case also, since she can't drink, but you do have this flower, so the flower has to be burnt. And now furthermore, another case where you would burn all of the, all of the flower, and the kohanim can't eat any of it, is if the sota is married to a kohen, or actually any time a woman has to, a woman brings a korban mincha and she is married a kohen, married to a kohen, the mincha offering is burnt. There is a general rule that 
all minachot that a Kohen brings have to or cannot be eaten, have to be burnt. Pasukin Vaikra is quoted right here. So for Kohen, a male Kohen brings a Korban Mincha for any reason. It could be a voluntary Mincha or a obligatory Mincha, any kind of Mincha offering that normally if a Yisrael or a Levi brought it, the Kohanim would eat part of it. That's the standard a uh, standard korban uh, mincha, uh, the Kohen takes a kometz, the kometz goes on the mizbech, the Kohanim meet the rest. That's only true if the one bringing the korban, the Baal, is not a Kohen. If the Baal is a Kohen, then you don't do the kometz. Rather, the whole entirety gets burnt, no kometz that goes on his mizbech, and nobody eats it, the whole thing goes on his mizbech, no leftovers. That is the standard. Um, so, now the korban sota. Uh, and uh, because it's brought on the as a partnership between the husband and the wife, it's his. It's his. Uh, he's bringing. He's asking her to bring it. He has to provide for the flower, but she's also bringing it. It's on her behalf. So it has aspects of both, um, and therefore it has to be all burnt. Bat Yisrael sheniset lekohen minchata nisrefet vechohenes sheniset Yisrael minchata neechelet. If it's a Bat Yisrael who's married to a kohen, then it's uh, it's burnt. That's the same thing. Nisuot lekohanim, and it doesn't matter what her status was. If she was a Bat Kohen or Bat Levi or Bat Yisrael, it doesn't matter. Her korban mincha is burnt. Whereas if she was a Bat Kohen who married Yisrael, now it has the same status as a Yisrael, um, in which case you put the kometz on the Mizbech and the leftovers are eaten. So it goes by the status of the husband. If the husband is a Kohen, then the entire korban mincha is burnt. Ma ben Kohen le Kohenet. So now that we mentioned this uh, distinction here between well, the, the man being a Kohen uh, versus the woman being a Kohen. So now we're going to mention other times where there's a difference between a Kohen and a Kohenet. Minchat Kohenet ne'echelet minchat Kohen ena ne'echelet. One number one is what we just mentioned, that to korban mincha of a female Kohen, you're going to take the Kometz on the Mizbech and the rest of it will be eaten. Whereas the mincha of a male Kohen is not eaten at all. It's entirely burnt on the Mizbech. Kohenet mitchalelet v'kohen en mitchalel. If a woman marries someone that she's not permitted to marry, she becomes um, a halala. This applies to a kohen, but actually applies to any woman. And after that, she will not be able to marry a kohen. However, the reverse is not true. If a kohen marries someone he's not allowed to marry, like if a kohen marries a divorcee, so their children will be halalim, and the kohen, while he's married to her, will not be able to serve as a kohen. However, if he gets divorced, then that kohen can marry anybody uh, anybody he wants. So the kohen himself does not become a kohen himself who um, who enters in an improper marriage does not himself become a halal, even though a woman who has an illegal marriage, she becomes a halala and she cannot marry a kohen. Another difference, kohenet ben kohen If a, um, a, a, a female kohen is allowed to become tamelamet, right? If a, a woman, a bat kohen, 
um, a, a, a loved one dies, anyone dies, she's allowed to go to a cemetery. Um, but a male Kohen is not allowed to go to the cemetery except for one of the seven closest closest relatives for a regular Kohen. Kohen ochel bekotshe kodashim ven Kohen tochelet bekotshe kodashim. Only a male Kohen can eat the highest level of um, of uh, sacrifices like uh, korban hatat or asham that the Kohanim may be part of it. That's only the male Kohanim. They have to be this has to be eaten in the Bet Hamikdash, right, with very strict rules and a female Kohen but Kohen cannot eat Kodshe Kodashim. Ma ben ish leisha. Now that we mentioned differences between um, male and female Kohanim, now we're going to list a few differences in general between laws of men and laws of women. This is not a comprehensive list, just some of them. Haish uforemet. A man has to let his hair grow and tear his garments when he's a mesora, but this does not apply to a female mesora. Haish madiret beno benazir madiret benazir. A man can make a vow on behalf of his minor son that his minor son will become a nazir, uh, but a, a mother cannot make a vow. For her son, that is for him to be a nazir, right? Only a father can do that. If a father um, became a nazir and designated animals for the end of his nazirut, but then died before he used them, the son can then use those very same animals for the end of his nizirut. A son can do that, but a daughter cannot use the leftover sacrifices from her father. A father can um, give his wife over in Kiddushin. A mother cannot do that on a Deoraita level when the, when the daughter is a minor. A father can sell his daughter as a slave. A mother cannot sell her daughter as a slave. A man, if he deserves capital punishment by stoning, is stoned without clothing, um, uh, whereas a woman is not stoned without clothing. A man's body, after he is killed by capital punishment, is hung right for the rest of the day. Um, whereas a woman's body is not hung. A man who steals and cannot pay is sold for as a slave to pay for his uh, his uh, uh, what he what he stole. Um, whereas a, a woman is not sold um, um, if she cannot pay what she stole. All right, so that's a, a non-comprehensive list, and we're going to go through. Most of them. So we begin. So we uh, here's a Tosefta is going to elaborate on the Mishnah that anyone who's married to a Kohen, um, uh, whereas normally a Sotaz Mincha, 
you take a Kometz and put it on the Mizbeach, the rest of it the Kohanim eat. However, if the husband is a Kohen, he has a share in it, and therefore you do not, you cannot eat the, eat the leftovers, rather it has to be burnt. Now how are you going to do it exactly? If it was just a Kohen, a Kohen by himself brings a regular Korban Mincha, it all is allowed to be burnt on the Mizbeach. But this one is more complicated because she also has a share in it. So you have to do something. So Kesad, Kohenet Leviyav Yisraelit, Shenisset Kohen. It really doesn't matter where the woman comes from, just the fact that she's married to a Kohen. And Minchata Nechelet, Mipnesheyesh Lo Chelek Ba. The Kohanim cannot eat the leftovers after the, after the Kometz because he has a share in it. On the other hand, you can't put it all on the Mizbeach because she has a share in it. Since she has a share in it, so part of it, will, the Kometz will be taken and put on the Mizbeach, and there is a law that if part of it is put on the Mizbeach and the other part is leftovers, then you cannot put leftovers on the Mizbeach. Rather, the, take, you take the Kometz and you put that on the Mizbeach. That's for her share because she needs the Kometz to be separated and put on the Mizbeach. And then the rest of it, the leftovers, well, you can't, the Kohanim cannot go and eat it because he has a share. So you take that and you put it on the Mizbeach separately. Um, but you're putting it on separately, that way the Kometz is for her, and then the rest of it will burn on the Mizbeach separately. Now we're going to have to analyze exactly how this works because there is a problem. Ikri Khan, the Gemara says, Kol shehu mimenu laishim, harehu bebal taktiru. This is a midrash on this pasuk. It says, So this on the Peshat level teaches us that you can't put Su'od and Devash on the Mizbeach. That's a general rule all year round, every, mizbe, every Korban, every Mincha. Um, however, there's an extra word, Mimenu. You could have just said, Why do you word that we need the word Mimenu? From the word Mimenu, we learn that any time that you have put a part of a Korban Mincha on the Mizbeach, you cannot put the leftovers on the Mizbeach as well. In other words, if you have a regular Korban Mincha that uh, Yisrael brings, so part of it you put on the Mizbeach, and the leftovers, the Kohanim eat. Good, Shalom Yisrael. If a Kohen brings alone his own Mincha, then you don't separate a, a Kometz, you put the whole thing on the Mizbeach. That's also fine, because that's the whole thing. But if there is a case of Mimenu, that you took a Kometz and put it on the Mizbeach, then Lok Tatiru, you cannot put the rest of it on the Mizbeach. And here, what you just said in this Tosefta is that's exactly what you do. You take the Kometz, you put that on the Mizbeach, and then the rest also Kerevin, separately. But you're not allowed to do that. Doesn't that violate the Mimenu principle? Amar Yehuda bered Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi temasik lehu leshum aesim kerebi Eli Ezer. This is Tanya. Rabbi Eli Ezer omer l'reach nechoch iyatamaleh avalatamalehu leshem aesim. Here's what you do when you put the leftovers on the mizbeach. You have in mind that this will be um, as uh, fuel. Just like you can add wood to the Mizbeach, when you put the wood on the Mizbeach, you're not sacrificing the wood. Wood is not something that you can sacrifice. It's not an animal. It's not flour. Um, rather, this is fuel. So too, in this case, when you take the Kometz, you say, the Kometz, I'm putting it on 
that's as a korban because that's for her share. But the rest of it, which I'm not allowed to put the leftovers on the Mizbeach, so you know what I have in mind, oh, this is, um, uh, I'm putting this on as fuel, and that will help burn other things. And that's permitted according to the Be'eliezer. Because the Be'eliezer, in a, it's a, a, a different case, um, where it's complicated, we don't know what to do with the stuff. Should we put it? Do we put it on his back or not? If there's a mixture of things that you're supposed to put on his back and that's what's back. So the Beliezer says, just have in mind if it's supposed to be on it. So then it's it's a, a sacrifice. If it's not, I'm putting it at four. I'm putting it for firewood. Okay, so that's how we can solve the problem according to the Beliezer. Okay, so fine, that solution worked for the Be'eliezer, who says you can put things on the Mizbech that don't belong there as long as you have in mind that it's for fuel. But Rabbanan disagreed with the Be'eliezer. So according to them, what are you going to do with the leftover flour? Different solution um, uh, that you take the you have the sotash she brings the the flour so you take a comet and put it on the mizbeach that's from her perspective and that needs to be done because uh, she is she is a uh, not a kohen so that's fine now from his perspective the rest of it you can't give to the to uh, to uh, uh, to the kohenim to eat because he the man is a kohen you can't put it on the mizbeach because of the lotaktiru mimenu principle so instead what do you do with the rest you put it on betadeshen on the place where the ashes are where you burn um, uh, uh, pasul sacrifices. So you burn it on the ashes, on the fire, next uh, on on in the uh, on but not on the altar. And so that's uh, a different way of solving the problem. Now this solution will be good not only according to the Biel who originally said this type of solution in a different case, in the Minchat Chote of a Kohen. Minchat Chote is the Olev Yored for certain sins. If you're rich, you bring an animal or a bird. If you're poor, you bring a meal offering. If it happens to be a Kohen who made this type of sin and is bringing this meal offering, so in that case, there was a Machloket. And Rabbi El Azab Rabbi Shimon said, you take the Komets and put it on the Mizbeach, and the rest of it you put on Bet Hadeshen. And so he applies the same thing here. But in that case, Rabbanah, and disagreed and they said no don't take a comet put the whole thing on the on the mizbeach that's what they said over there but even rabbanan even though they disagreed with Rabbi azad in the case of a minchat chotesh al kohanim in that case they only disagreed because um it was the the uh, the meal offering uh, needs to be uh put on the mizbeach so that's why they said put the whole thing on the mizbeach but in this case, um, even the Rabbanan would agree with the solution of Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimon that here you have to take a kometz because from the woman's for the woman's share she needs the kometz to be taken and put on mizbeach and then the rest of it you can't put on the mizbeach so for the rest of it put on betadeshen uh, so Rabbanan even though they disagree in that case agree in this case and this uh, would apply not only to a sota married to a kohen but actually any time. A woman who's married to a Kohen brings a Korban Mincha, you'd have to make a compromise 
a situation like this. Okay, now Mishnah next stated that Bat Yisrael HaNesu'ah, in general, anytime a woman, any woman, is married to a Kohen and she brings a Korban, it cannot be eaten, it has to be burnt. What's the reason for this? So, if it's a um, uh, if it's a male kohen, anytime a male brings a korban, um, and and even if his wife brings a korban, he has a share in it. Uh, so the same law applies; it cannot be eaten. That's the explicit pasuk. Um, however, if it's a bat kohen who brings a who brings a korban, that is a right like like a Yisrael that brings it. They take the comets and the rest of it is eaten. Um, because we say here, the word Kohen here means only a male Kohen, Kohen, and not a female Bat Kohen. Good. Kohen et mitchalelet, Kohen en mitchalel. The Mishnah mentioned that <clears throat> a, a female does become a halala. If a woman, in fact, any woman who um, marries illegally can then not marry a Kohen. But it's not true for a Kohen, uh, a male Kohen. If a male Kohen marries illegally um, after he's divorced, then he can marry any woman. That does not affect his status anymore once he gets divorced. Minelan, how do we know this? This is not the full discussion. The full discussion is Kiddushin. But from here, uh, we don't learn about the woman, but rather about the man. Um, so we learn from here that um, a the the offspring of a kohen um, who marries uh, illegally will become halalim, but he himself will not become a, a halal. So it does not affect the male kohen; it affects his offspring. And over there, it also explains that it affects his his wife, but not him. Kohenet mitamea mitama a bat kohen is allowed to become tamelamet. What's the source? Amar kera emore la kohanim bnei Aharon, bnei Aharon velo benot Aharon. In the beginning of Parashat Emor, where it says, "Go tell the kohanim, the sons of Aharon, le nefesh lo yitama be'amav, they cannot become tamei lamet." That's talking about bnei, the sons of Aharon. It does not apply to the to the daughters of Aharon. They can become tamei. The highest level of sacrifices can be eaten only by male Kohanim because the Pasuk says, Kol Zachar. It says, here it says very explicitly, all the males of the sons of Aharon, they can eat these um, highest level sacrifices. And the Mishnah continued and uh, noted differences between laws applied to men as opposed to women. Tanura banan ish enli ela ish isha minayin. So this is about a mesora that his hair grow. He lets his hair grow and tears his garments. So um, the pasuk says. So pasuk says ish. So I know uh, that. Uh, so ish. I know that an ish can become a mesora. How do I know that the whole law of mesora applies to women? The next pasuk says hasarua. You don't have to repeat. You already said aish. You could just say him. Why do you have to say the leper? So uh, that implies that there is another type of person that can become a leper. So an ish and an isha, both men and women can become mesoraim haren kanshenaim. So that's so we know that the law of mesora in general does apply to men and women. If so, then why does the first pasuk say ish? 
Just say anyone. So the male part of this here uh, applies to the law that will come later in the paragraph that a man has to let his hair grow and rend his garments, but a woman who is a mesora does not have to do those things. Next case, A man can take an oath on behalf of his minor son to make him a nazir. A mother cannot do that. There's no source for it. And similarly, this law that a man can use the sacrifices that his father designated when he was a Nazir, but he died before using them, the son can use those same animals, but a woman cannot use the animals of her father who went who were unused if she is a Nazir, and this also is a halachalim of Shemis Hinai with no source. Only a father can marry off his minor daughter. This is in the law of Mosi Shemra. It's giving the uh, typical case. And the father comes and says, I married my daughter off to this person. So we see that the father can do that. The father can do that, but not the mother. And furthermore, a father can sell his daughter as a slave at Aish Mochel Bitov and Aisha Mochel Bet Bita Dikti Vikim Kod Ish et Bita because the Pasuk there says if a man sells his daughter, so that is only the father, not the mother. Haish Niskal Aru Maita Mavidagimu Oto Mai Oto Ilema Oto Velo Otakiti Bosetaita Ishahu Otaishahi. So a Pasuk says that um, they, uh, for a certain sin, the whole congregation stones him, male. So does that mean only a male gets can get stoned? That's not true because in Devarim uh, and in a different context, it says for uh, you take the man or the woman who did this terrible sin and stone either one of them. So women certainly can get stoned. Therefore, in Pasuk in, in uh, Pedic 24, why does it say only Oto? El Oto belo kesuto, velo ota belo kesuta. Rather, it shows that there's a distinction. Only a man gets, when he gets stoned, he without clothes on. You're just a small covering for his privates, but otherwise no clothes, um, which is actually, he'll, it's better for him because he'll die faster with less suffering. But for uh, the woman, it doesn't say, uh, so for women is different. That's why otos only applies to man, not to woman. A woman can get stoned, but not uh, without clothes on, even though the clothing will be as a little bit of padding that will prolong her suffering is true. However, for a woman, the shame of not being clothed is worse than that extra physical pain um, that she will undergo by having the clothes on. She would rather have the clothes on. A man would rather have the clothes off. Um, so after a person gets capital punishment, then you hang the body just for a short time until, you know, from before before it gets to, before sunset till sunset um as to set an example look everybody you know this is what happens um but uh, but we um we don't leave it hanging there for for long because it is after all selim elokim they only do that for a man who gets capital punishment not for a woman only a male uh, not a female right in all these cases is a good methodological methodological question 
question. When do we assume that a masculine uh, pronoun really refers only to men or to the collective of everyone, men and women? Um, and there are cases of both. And so in most of these cases here, we're assuming that a masculine pronoun refers only to men. Um, in some cases, that limits uh, the woman's rights, like to uh, for over her son or daughter, but in another case, it actually saves her from um, this uh, kind of uh, terrible uh, shame of having to be hung. So I guess it works both ways. And here also is for the would be for the detriment of the man that a man is sold. For, for stealing, uh, whereas a woman is not, because it says, and if he cannot pay, then he is sold uh, for, for his theft. Only a man is sold, but a woman is not sold. Hadran Allah, Hayan Notel, Chazakim, Uberuchim.